Union Church. Good morning. It's good to uh, be here this morning. Um, <clears throat> I don't know what the statistics are, but there are quite a few folks that uh, weren't able to wake up and see the day as we have. Uh, today is uh, September 11th, um, you know, a day that uh, for in modern history at least will we'll live in infamy. Um, Sister Allison was at a 9-11 memorial, um, you know, just uh, memorializing the 3,000 souls that were lost. On top of the souls that were uh, lost in the airplanes, uh, on top of the souls that were lost in, in, in regards to the first responders, on top of the many, many souls that were never born as a result of those, uh, those individuals that were lost. Um, and you know, when we think about uh, the reason why that happened, um, and, and I'm not here to talk about um, you know, the religious uh, convictions of people of a certain country, um, but I will say that generally speaking, uh, when we're talking about uh, you know, conflicts between two different types of people, whether it's people of different beliefs, people of different backgrounds, whatever the case may be, if there's conflict, they're not meeting on the same page. What keeps that disagreement from devolving into, you know, what we saw on September 11th, um, you know, a fight, if you will, is two words. One is compassion. The other is what I'm going to talk about this morning. And it's really, I guess you would say it's three of it. Uh, compassion, sympathy, slash empathy. And I want to talk about the, the latter portion here um, today, um, sympathy slash empathy, and, and they, they have an underpinning of love, and we'll look into that here in greater detail, but sympathy is to have pity on someone for you know, their, their misfortune, right? It, to, to sympathize is to say, I've been there too, and I understand, whereas empathy is I've, while I haven't been there, I can understand why you may be feeling that way. And, uh, and again, I'm, I'm not going to get into the politics or the history or anything along those lines because really this is, uh, you know, uh, this day, the first day of the week is also memorial. It's a memorial of the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, which, by the way, he died not just for you know folks in the east or folks in the west or folks in the I say the Middle East, but he died for everyone. Um, and his compassion, sympathy, and empathy is the reason why each and every one of us are, are benefactors of the promise that God gave to Abraham. But to but getting back to the point, um, we all go through things. We all suffer injustice. Um, we all suffer discrimination of some kind or another. Um, everyone's life is, is not hunky-dory. Even the rich and the powerful, they suffer in some degree or another, maybe not to the extent, but they have aches and pains as well. You know, when, when you know, the, the old saying is we all put on our, our pants one leg at a time, that is a, you know, a statement, you know, founded in sympathy. Um, we all have basic things that we need. We all have basic struggles. The, the Queen of England passed away at 96 years old. She was royalty. And did she die? Absolutely. You know, the scripture tells us that it is accounted unto every man, woman, and child that grows up to be a man or a woman that everyone will die. And after that, they will be judged. We, we think of, you know, us as a human race as being, you know, different, you know, being a little cliquish. We all have the same type of blood. You know, once you get below the, the dermal layer or, or the epidermis, if you will, we all have the same blood. We all have the same type of, you know, amino acids and, and molecules that make up every living creature. Now you may say, well, our religion makes us different. Okay, that's fine. But at the end of the day, we will all die and we will all stand before the judgment seat of God the Almighty. Whether or not you worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob, or the God of Muhammad, or the God of whomever, 
it still does not excuse the fact that the truth is that each and every one of us will die as those on September 11th passed away, as, as the Queen of England died and passed away. All of those souls, regardless of their religious beliefs, will stand before the judgment seat of God. I find it interesting that in James, the first chapter, verse number 27, that uh, the it says that pure religion and undefiled, you know, when you know the, the Bible is, is talking about uh, religion, you know about practices that go beyond oneself, you know that uh, supersede uh, you know the needs of, of self is what to pure religion and undefiled is to show compassion or sympathy on those who are unfortunate or who are less fortunate. Mm -hmm. And and I just want to highlight again what uh, what the uh, James says here is that it is not just undef it is not pure and not just or is not just pure but it is undefiled before God and Father to visit those who have no father, to visit those who have no husband in their affliction, and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now that's pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father. You know, I, I think about you know what is fundamental to <clears throat> you know those precepts for living that go beyond yourself and the first one that I see here at least is to have sympathy to be sympathetic and if you are not without if you haven't experienced being fatherless or if you haven't experienced being an orphan or if you haven't experienced being without your husband or your wife the message is still clear that we need to show empathy because we all know, we all can kind of relate in some way, shape, or form to what that affliction may be. The, my study Bible has uh, a, a cross-reference here for um, Isaiah, the first chapter and verse number 17. And I wanted to read that. I, I don't normally look at the, uh, the references, but um, even way back in the beginning, I don't want to say way back in the beginning, but certainly in the New Old Testament scripture, the prophet Isaiah said these words in Isaiah, the first chapter and verse number 17. Learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. You know, and, and if you, you know, read the context in which Isaiah gave this, you know, this, uh, this, this, admonishment is he's talking about he's talking to the nation of Judah he's rebuking them for their sinful ways and he's you know inspiring them to come back to religious faith and some of the things that he says here uh, you can look at uh, you know starting at verse number 15 even it says and when you spread forth your hands I will hide mine eyes from you yea when you make many prayers, I will not hear you. Your hands are full of blood. Therefore, wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. And then verse number 17, learn to do well. Seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, and plead for the widow. Show sympathy. Learn to do well. And be sympathetic to those who are less fortunate than yourself. I think that's, uh, you know, a mouthful. And, and I say that with the, the, the physical part of me as being a mouthful. Because when I wake up in the morning, you know, and I'm, I, you know, I get out of my bed, you know, my relative security, I roll into the kitchen, there's milk, cereal, eggs, meat of various kinds. 
I get to open up that refrigerator and decide, well, you know what? I'm not in the mood for any of this. I'm going to get on my mini computer and dial up uh, DoorDash and have someone else cook my food for me. And then when they show up, you know, I'm, I'm a, Heather will tell you, I'm a poor tipper. Well, I'm not a poor tipper. Guess what I, what I do is I tip twice the tax. Okay, that's that's kind of what I do. Heather, she she's a free tipper. Mm -hmm. My point being is I make the choice. Right, I've got all of these options available to me, but I make the choice. Now, Sister Bill will tell you that if there is a commercial that comes on the television that says, you know, give a penny for you know, there's kids in Africa, maybe who don't have that same option. She's, she's done it before. She's extended a sympathetic heart. Maybe she's not gone through that type of poverty. But because she's thinking with her spiritual self, she gives that, that dollar or that cent to, to whatever nonprofit organization. Now, you got to be careful on which nonprofit organization you give to. But here's what I'm saying is that we are all benefactors of an amazing and blessed life. We are absolutely blessed. And there was a discussion on the, uh, the uh, Sunday evening inspirational hour about giving to the poor. It, for those of you who are on the call, mm -hmm. there was a discussion about, well, when should I give? Should I give every time somebody comes up to the car or ask me for food or money or whatever the case may be. Now, I'm not going to get into the semantics of the request and what you do, but I'm talking about the principle. And Isaiah spoke to the nation of Judah, learn to do well. Relieve the oppressed. We find this simple phrase repeated in James, the first chapter, verse number 27, again, where pure religion and undefiled before God is to what? Visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and keep oneself, himself, unspotted from the world. When we get to this discussion of what that means, practically speaking, well, it says it right there. To show sympathy, to be sympathetic, to do whatever you can to relieve someone's oppression or affliction, to give a comforting hand, to, to give words of encouragement, to give somebody a hug. Now, I'm not saying you need to give money. I'm not saying you need to give food. But if somebody is going through something, at its fundamental level, at the pure religion and undefiled level, the scripture tells us to be sympathetic. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. You'll see here um, <clears throat> uh, the, uh, uh, well, let's start at uh, verse number 1 of 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. And so, you know, you may say, well, fine, I'll, I'll be more sympathetic. Um, sympathetic, to, to sympathize is a mindset. You know, somebody can give and not be sympathetic. You know, I, I've, I've seen it. You know, people will literally just throw money out of their car at somebody. Well, they ask for money, so here it is. And get away from my car. Right? Isn't, isn't that, you know, the lowest of, of taste to, you know, have someone who, you know, for someone to go up to another person and request something, they get it, but they get it in such a level of disrespect. It's not even, it, it, it's, it's more of a curse than it is a blessing at that point. So sympathy is a, is a mindset. And what uh, Paul tells the church in Corinth here in 1 Corinthians the 13th chapter says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. 
And though I bestow all my goods to the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. And you know what charity is? Well, you can read about what charity is in the following verses. One thing that charity is, or one thing that charity does not do, is it does not puff itself up. It doesn't add to, its, add to itself in any way, shape, or form. You know, when we think about sympathy, it's also important to realize that we are to be sympathetic without having, or we should be sympathetic. Let me just put it to you this way. Without the feelings of, I am better than you, right? And, and by virtue of me giving to you, that puts me on a pedestal above you. You know, we should never seek moments to be sympathetic where it would play into our pride, Amen. which is another thing. And I say that's a mouthful for me in the flesh because it is those times where I feel I'm the most sympathetic when I, when I look back and I think, you know what? Yeah, it made me feel good, but it, it didn't make me feel good in the right way. You know, when I gave it, they, they were you know, so overwhelmed with gratitude that I, I feasted on all the praise that they gave to me. And it made my body feel good. How many times have you given anonymously? Heather and I were in the Starbucks um, yesterday in, in Fresno. And a uh, CHP officer walked in, went to the restroom. A few moments later, a guy pulled up in his car, got out, came into the Starbucks and said to the cashier, I just saw a police officer come in um, here's five dollars. Whatever he wants, please use that. If he wants a drink, please use his five dollars. That he turned around, got in his car, and drove off. Heather and I were were, were about to leave. CHP officer comes out of the bathroom, makes his way to his car, and I stopped him and I said, "Hey, you know, you should go back inside. Someone, you know, just paid a drink for it." And he's like, "Yeah, you know." I'm, I'm not, you know, I was like, you should really go inside. Another customer came and said, hey, you know, a customer just paid for your drink. And he turned around and he went in and he got his drink. And I got to thinking about, in my mind at least, I wonder if that man is a, a member of the body of Christ. I wonder if he's a member of the church of Christ. Is he a part of those few that are chosen? Right? And I, and I got thinking, you know, I'm a member of the body of Christ. Why didn't I think of doing that? Why didn't in my brain, did, did, did that just not click for me? I mean, I've been benefactors of people who have, um, you drive up to, the, to pay for your drink at Starbucks, and they say, no, it's free. The, the car in front of you paid for it. And, you know, I've been like, whoa, just blown away. Well, thank you. But how many times have I done that? How many times have I paid that for? How many times have I given anonymously without seeking or wanting that, that thank you or that attaboy in return? Now, I'm not talking about you, per se, I'm talking about me. And if you fall into, into the category of me, then um, hopefully these words will be edifying to you. If, if you're the complete opposite of me, keep doing what you're doing. But when I think about when the scripture talks about sympathy, it says again in verse number three, that if I do all of these sympathetic things, but I don't have charity, it doesn't meet the definition of pure religion and undefiled before God and the God the Father and the Son of Jesus Christ, right? It doesn't meet that because it lacks a key ingredient of charity. And charity does not seek itself. It does not vaunt of itself. It doesn't envy. And it is not puffed up with pride. If you have your Bibles, turn to... The book of Jonah. Now, what's up with Jonah? 
Well, Jonah was a man just like you and I. Uh, he was given charge to, to go out and to preach the gospel, as it were, uh, to the church in Nineveh, this, this message of repentance. Am I right? Uh, think about you know the the obligations that we have as members of the body of Christ to do the same. But what did what did Jonah do? He's like, nah, I'm not I'm not doing that. And uh, trying to find it here, Jonah is right before Micah, right? So uh, Jonah is given a given a charge to, but he's like, no, I'm not doing that. And why didn't he, why didn't he do that? Why did he not straight away go to Nineveh? You know why he didn't straight away go to Nineveh? Mm -hmm. Is he lacked sympathy. Mm -hmm. He did not have pity on Nineveh the way that God wanted him to have pity. Mm -hmm. And we'll learn about this concept of a pity later on here in, in the book of Jonah, but he didn't go straight away. And you know when when he was asked why didn't he go, Jonah was like, "Listen, in Jonah the fourth chapter and verse number two, he said, I fled because I knew that thou." Art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger, of great kindness, and repentest thee of evil. He said, I didn't go because I know you were a God of sympathy. Mm -hmm. And you would have just been sympathetic with these evil, horrible people. And I didn't, I, I just don't have that type of sympathy in my heart, God. So I went the complete opposite direction. Do you understand what, what I'm talking about here? Is that Jonah did not find the Ninevites worthy of his sympathy. So he didn't go. How many times have you not fulfilled your commission as a disciple of Jesus Christ because you didn't have that type of sympathy in your own heart? Now, the Ninevites were evil people. Yes, they were. They weren't good people. Mm -hmm. They weren't blessed in the way that uh, God's chosen people were blessed. So, let, let me finish that story while you ponder that, that, uh, that probing question for a second. So, as we read on in, in Job, the fourth chapter, right, he's, he's out in the desert. And he's struggling. And it says in verse number 6 of uh, Jonah, the fourth chapter, it says, And the Lord God prepared a, a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah. Mm -hmm. you know, because God is a sympathetic God. Mm -hmm. He has pity upon us. You know the manifestation of God's pity upon his creation? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the manifestation of the sympathetic, loving heart of God. He saw the state that we were in after, after we got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And he could have allowed us to just continue along that path, but he had love. Excuse me. He had charity, which is love. Mm -hmm. He had a sympathetic heart. So he put a plan in place for us to be reconciled back with him through his son Jesus. And we see here again that God, seeing Jonah struggling, he made a gourd so that um, Jonah could find some relief. You know, it, it says, uh, you know, that uh, it might shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. Right? He was relieving this oppressed man. It says, so Jonah was exceeding glad for this gift of sympathy. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. God prepared a worm when the morning arose, and the next day it smote the gourd that it withered. 
And it came to pass when the sun did rise that God prepared a vehement east wind. And that's a hot wind. Mm -hmm. And the sun beat down upon the head of Jonah that he fainted. And he wished in himself to die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. You know, in this moment, you know, God is trying to teach Jonah a lesson about sympathy. Mm -hmm. In this moment where Jonah is at, you know, at his wit's end, he's just lost consciousness. He is struggling. He's saying, you know, it's better for me to die than to live. Do you know that there are people out there that are saying the exact same thing? Mm-hmm. You know, that regardless of how you feel about X, Y, um, denomination or belief system. Regardless of how you feel, there there are people who are suffering on all four corners of the world who wake up every morning with missiles and bombs and explosions and, and rapes and, and kidnappings, famine, no water, pestilence. And they're just like Jonah. They're saying... It is better for me to die than to live. There are people who make this statement every day of the week, except for this guy. I roll out of my bed every morning. I walk to my refrigerator. I turn on the faucet where there's ready, cold, fresh water. I open my refrigerator. There's semi-prepared food. If I want to cook, I can cook it. If I want to throw it in the microwave, I can do that. If I don't want to do either, just because, you know, it's too much energy to do either or, I'd call up somebody who would deliver hot food to me, to my door. I don't even have to go out and get it. They'll put it on my door. They'll graciously ring my doorbell. And I'll say, oh, Heather, go get the food. She'll say, no, I'm not getting the food. You get the food. No, I'm watching the game. I'm reclining right here. No, you get the food. No, you go get the food. I'm on my laptop, you know, you know, ordering, I don't know, a pair of shoes or something. You see where I'm getting? And so I drag myself out of my recliner. Haven't haven't done anything special. I open the door. I'm bending over. I'm doing one. I literally do one of these to get this food that I ordered that was made for me to my specifications, delivered to my door. I do one of these. (laughs) Jonah, he finds himself here. He's, He's fainted. He's saying, it is better for me to to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, doest thou well to be angry for the gore? And he said, I will do well to be angry, even unto death. Yes, I am angry. It is justified, God, that I'm angry that this gore has died. Because look at my, look at my, my, my present condition. Jonah is a bold man. But guess what? So are you. Because you do this. Don't look at Jonah and be like, shame on Jonah. Jonah, he's a bold man to be talking to God like that. Well, guess what? We do that. We do the exact same thing. Maybe not in the same words, but in the same way we talk to God too. You know, when God has blessed me with all blessings, And I open that refrigerator, and there's no food. When God has blessed me with all blessings, and the internet goes out, and I can't order the food. When God has blessed me with all blessings, right? And I've got to take public transportation, which is air conditioning, instead of driving my own car because it's broke down, right? What do we say? What do we say to God in our minds? We get upset. Yes, I am justified. In the fact that my life isn't as good as it was just a second ago. Then said the Lord God 
to Jonah in verse number 10. Thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow. You're, you're getting upset, Jonah, for this gourd that you didn't plant the seed, you didn't water it, you didn't do nothing to get it. But it was there for your benefit. It said, God continues his, his retort to uh, Jonah's statement in verse number 9. He says, again, which came up in a night and perished in a night. Shannot should should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand, and also much capital. You know, the foundations of just reminding ourselves to be sympathetic is to remind ourselves that all the things we have were given to us. Now you may say, I go to work, eight to five. Yeah, I earned this. No, no you didn't. No you didn't. God gave you the ability mm -hmm. to earn it. And by virtue of that, he's given it to you. Amen. You know, all the things that we have, God has given to us. God has given us the ability to receive it. How dare we when we see someone who is down and out or less fortunate than we are to not show sympathy. When God has showed sympathy on each and every one of us. I kid you not. Let your air conditioning go out. If there's another 114 degree a week, let your air conditioning go out. Try to sleep tonight in 95 degrees heat. What's going to happen? You're not going to be comfortable. You're going to be sweating. You're going to be thinking, like, man, what is going on? I wish my air conditioning would work. There's people out on the street who went through what we went through last week right. without air conditioning at all, who slept outside in the same heat and humidity that you're cursing under your breath that you're sleeping under just because your AC went. Now, how do I know that? Because I went through it. My AC went out last year. Heather was not a happy camper. I wasn't a happy camper. My kids were unhappy. We're just, oh, oh, can we get some relief? You know, I called up the HVAC guy. He's like, no, I can't be there until Monday. I'm thinking, ugh. Okay, let me give you another example. Let your water go out. I've had that happen to me too. You know how long we lasted without the water being out? Like eight hours. I paid almost $1,000 to have a guy come out to my house in the middle of the night because we couldn't go another minute without running water. I just saw a guy mm -hmm. driving up here this morning. He ran across the street, took a cup of water, and scooped up water that was in the gutter and poured it on his shirt. How blessed are we? Mm -hmm. Beyond measure. Mm -hmm. But we can't be like Jonah and just say, well, I'm not going to do God's work because God will take care of that business mm -hmm. because he's a merciful and gracious guy. I'm just going to get on this boat and go the opposite direction. I pray to God none of us get swallowed by a great fish or worse. Mm -hmm. So if you have your Bibles, <clears throat> Turn your books to uh, Romans, the 11th chapter.
In uh, Romans, the <clears throat> 11th chapter. I'm trying to figure out where I want to start. Um, if you're jotting down notes, then I would say verse 13 through uh, 24 um, is, uh, is something, you know, just a reference for your reading. Again, Romans, the 11th chapter, verses 13 uh, through 24. But we're not going to read all of that. Um, but we're going to read from verse number 16. It says, uh, Romans 11, chapter verse number 16, For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches are broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and the fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. But if thou boast, then thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou wilt say then, the branches were broken off, that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take heed lest he also spare not thee. And this is the, uh, the, the important verse that, that applies to the lesson. Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God on them which fell. Severity. But toward thee goodness. If thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shall be cut off. You know, think about the, the goodness and severity of God. Mm -hmm. He's talking about how um, this, the, the natural olive tree being the, the body of Christ, the church, um, how God pruned some branches off. Um, and those branches were Jewish branches. Mm -hmm. And then he said with the branches that he cut off, he grafted in a wild olive tree, which... The analogy is the Gentiles were grafted into this natural olive tree, were, were given an opportunity to be added to the body of God, the body of Christ, the church. Mm -hmm. And Paul says, well, uh, being that you've been a bit, you're, you're a partaker of the, the root and the fatness of this natural olive tree, why would you boast? against some of the other branches that are part of the same tree. He said, don't do that. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll be broken off as well. He goes on to say in verse number 20, the reason why they were broken off was because of their unbelief. And he exhorts them to stand in the faith and not be high-minded. Or think of yourself more than you ought to. Mm -hmm. You know, don't be filled with pride and arrogance. Mm -hmm. But fear, have a reverential respect. For if God not spare not the natural branches, he certainly won't think twice about cutting off the ones that were grafted in. Mm -hmm. He says in verse number 22 that we are to continue in the goodness of God, otherwise we will also be cut off. And what is God's goodness? Well, I'll turn your Bibles and, and then over to First John, and this is where I will conclude. Talks about love. First John, the third chapter. <clears throat> the goodness of God is His love. His love for us, and that 
He gave his only begotten son to die on the cross for our sins. Mm -hmm. It says in verse number 16 and 17 of 1 John, the third chapter, and we've read this many times. Um, and, and we'll actually read down to verse number 18 again. 1 John, the third chapter. And I'll, I'll wait till uh, everyone gets there. Did, do you got it there, Sister Bill? Okay, 1 John, the third chapter, verses 16 through 18. And it reads, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because what? Because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. You know, that, that is the, the root of James, the first chapter, and verse number 27. You know, this pure religion that is undefiled before God. Is if God was able to do it, if God did it, and we see, and you may say, well, when did God do that? Well, every single time we read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John of Jesus extending a sympathetic hand, a charitable spirit, to those who were certainly less fortunate, we know that God did that. Now, if you don't, okay, well then, you know, you, you may say, well, what about, uh, what, you may argue, well, was Jesus God or was Jesus the man? Okay, fine. Let's go even further back. Adam and Eve sinned. And what did God do? He showed them sympathy. Mm -hmm. He didn't just kill them right then and there. Right? He allowed them to go out into another part of the world and inhabit the world and, and multiply and, and bear children. They had, to, they had to bear the burden of that curse, but God gave them another opportunity. Mm -hmm. Okay, fine. You may not grasp that. Well, let's take a look at the Great Flood. You know, God, seeing that the heart of man was evil continually, he said that it repent, he, he, and God doesn't say this very often, it repent, he repented himself of ever making man. But even in that moment where he, he was just, just not happy with his creations, he showed sympathy and pity in that he allowed eight souls to survive that great flood and further inhabit and multiply the world. You can look throughout the Old Testament scripture that God showed sympathy by preserving a remnant. He didn't utterly destroy us all. He always showed sympathy. And he showed sympathy with each and every one of us today by virtue of the death, birth, and resurrection of his son, Jesus. And practically speaking, the fact that we have all the things that we have. Mm -hmm. We live in a country, mind you, where we can come in together with, you know, without worrying about, I, I know that there have been some minutes of things that have happened recently, but generally speaking, not have to worry about literally you know, whether, you know, it's not a life and death situation for us to show up every first day of the week, as it is in other countries. Go to China and, 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 and prophesy or preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what they do to uh, Christians in China? They send you off to a rehabilitation camp. Go to Iran or Iraq. Go to Egypt. And talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They will kill you straight away. But we are blessed to be here in this country. But yet and still, guess what? This, okay, this may hit home to some people. And it's intended to. We won't walk across the street to talk to our neighbor about Jesus Christ. And we can do that freely without fear of reprisal. We've been blessed to be able to preach the gospel without having a gun pointed to our heads. You know the end of that, my next 
but we don't dot 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 you can fill in the gap you know where I'm going now I'm not saying that to anybody in this room I'm saying that to me I thought about it when that man walked up and gave five dollars to that barista that should be me now I'm not saying I, I can think of just I, I can't think of all these these great good acts to do but I just I just find it earth shattering that I've never paid that for. Now, Satan is going to tempt me today. Mm. Here's what he's going to do. Mm -hmm. Heather likes Starbucks after worship. And Satan is going to say, you said it, but can you do it? I know you can't do it. I know you can't, and I know you won't because you love your money. You're not going to do it. And if you do do it, it's going to be like 50 cents. You're cheap, Thomas. You're not going to do it. He's going to tempt me later on today. I'm going to see my neighbor, and he's going to say, Yeah, you said it, but you're not going to do it. Because the football game's coming on. The Niners are playing, I think. You're not going to do it. You're not going to go over there and say, hey, how you doing, neighbor? And, I, you know, if you're not worshiping anywhere, I'd, I'd like, you know, here's some information about uh, our worship services, blah, 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 blah. You're not going to do it, Thomas, because you talk and don't act. I'm saying that because I say that to me all the time. I, you know, my, my body is in direct conflict with my spirit. I have this internal struggle and dialogue with myself all the time. I'm willing to share it with you all uh, because maybe you are maybe you're going through the same thing. I don't have enough pride to, to really care what you think after I say it. Um, I, I beat myself up. There's more than you can ever imagine. So there's nothing you can say or do to me to make me feel worse than I do at these moments where I give in to that eternal internal dialogue. It says in verse number 17, uh, 1 John, the third chapter, it says, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us lo not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And that's a lesson for me. Hopefully it's a lesson for you. As we go into this upcoming week. To be sympathetic. You know, I, I get on all three of my kids. And I, uh, and I think two of them. Well, I think Sister Elizabeth's on this call. But, and if she is, two of the three are listening to me right now. I tell them all the time. You have a mission. Complete the mission. If you fail to complete the mission, then you fail. I mean, it, it, it goes it goes with it goes. With, if you don't complete all the objectives of the mission, you have failed. And our mission, brothers and sisters in Christ, is to do what? To love. That's a commandment. To love one another as we would love ourselves. As a matter of fact, I think the scripture says that we are to love one another better than we love ourselves. It is the height of hypocrisy. And this isn't me, Thomas Gardner, saying it. But this is Jesus talking of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. He says, you only show love to people who will love you back. But you will kill those that will hate you. That is hypocritical because charity does what? It doesn't seek it its own. It doesn't vaunt it itself. And it is not puffed up with pride. So if you're here and you need prayers of strength to be more sympathetic in your life, um, 
as I, I, I would request that you all pray on my behalf because, again, it's a struggle for me, and maybe it's my upbringing, maybe it's because I didn't have a whole lot, so I'm afraid of losing what, I, what I've got. Um, I just would ask for prayers that, you, that God would continually bring to my remembrance that the things that I have were only given to me by God because He loves me. I didn't earn any of it. It is only through God's grace that I'm a benefactor of said blessings. And what He requires of me, pure religion and undefiled, is to relieve the oppressed. To be a source to be a source of love for those who are crying out in the wilderness for that love. So if you're here, need prayers for that, we're going to sing the song of invitation. Afterwards, the floor will be open. Anyone needs to request that prayer. If you're here also and you are not a member of the body of Christ, God understands. He hears you. He understands the struggles that you are going through. And he pleads with you that you will hear his gospel. You know, as Jesus said, you know, that uh, my yoke is easy and light. You know, that's all God is saying. And that's, that's the penultimate of his offering, which is, hey, you can unload yourself of all of this heavy weight that you are carrying in your daily life. And if you accept my gospel, I will take that away from you and give you a light and easy load. And that light and easy load is just to show love. Just to be loving and compassionate, be of a charitable spirit, and God will take care of all the rest. One needs to hear that. One needs to believe it. One needs to repent. One needs to confess and be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost for the remission of sins in order to receive that light and easy yoke, in order to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And all you got to do is carry that light and easy yoke until you die in order to obtain a crown of life. We make it a little too complicated at times, but it's literally that simple. So if you're here this morning and you need prayers, please come forward as we stand and sing the song of